We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the Men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 90, Adventurous Impulse. My name is David Sville, and I have featured arena streamer extraordinaire Travis Semulin Sowers on the line with me this week. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good, Dave. How about you? It was good. Um, how was your uh, featured stream on Wednesday this week? Well, you should know you were there for, God, 90% of it. That was a lot of fun. I, that was a super cool thing that Wizards did. They kind of shined a spotlight upon me for a day, gave me some goodies to pass out uh, to the viewers and some goodies to play with. And like talking and finding out that you had the day off work anyway, I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to share some of that spotlight uh, with my good friend and co-host. So I, I thought that Dave was going to come on and we'd play Sealed and we'd kind of get tired of it because we were losing. But instead, what happened, David? Um, we kind of didn't lose. Yeah, at all. At all. It was it was great. No, we ran three consecutive Sealds and we went 7-1-7-1-7-1. And then, I, and then we did another one and I left and then I think you scrubbed out. Yeah, probably because you weren't there, I imagine. Yeah. No, the, the plays were great. Um, the decks were great. The audience interaction was great. We had a we had a really good time. We had some live QA sessions while you were on on break. We had um, you gave away oh god a ton of packs. Uh, I gave away a sealed code um, since it was twenty four hours left in the uh, in the sealed for Guilds of Ravnica. So I gave away pre- a pre release code code, and it was um, it was a ton of fun overall. Yeah, it was fun to hang out. It was fun to participate in the event. It was fun to play Ravnica sealed. Um, like I'd, I'd kind of gotten into standard for the past week or so. I was like, for this event, I'm going to go back to my roots and play sealed. And I, you know, for all my complaints about the arena sealed interface and yeah, it could be better. It was a surprisingly rewarding experience. I, I would like to change a few things about the interface. I'd like to change a few things about the prize structure, but man, I had a good time. I just had fun. It's, I mean, it's pretty easy when you win, you know, right. Um, but like, I, I think after now that sealed is gone and i've played it a few times i think um i think for streamers it's probably or or people that play a lot i think it'll be you know i'll do two or three or four or five of these depending on how many times i go seven and and one or seven and two or something like that um but and for somebody like me i'm just going to try to chain as many as many as i can off of my free pre-release code that i'm hopefully going to get in the future um and then after that i think draft will fill in the gaps on um you know on, on the way that i want to earn packs so i think between the two um i am happy spending my dollars whether that be gems that i've earned or dollars that i've put into the system um between four or five seals and then the rest quick drafts um playing some constructed here and there and i think that will make me a, a happy camper when it comes to spending my money and then I'll spend my free to play money on constructed and, and quick drafts as well and things like that. But I think all things considered somebody like you and somebody like me um, can get a lot of value out of arena for not a lot of investment. 
I think so too. I, I I'm super hopeful that in the not too distant future we will have drafting with people. I think that's the one thing that's very unique about Magic as composed as compared to other digital offerings, and I'm very excited to get to try that one day. So I, I'm hoping that that's a big content patch. I don't know, maybe in December. Is that helping too much? Um, I I think so. I'm just thinking of like how fast things have gone. Um, we seem to have slowed down now that we're in open beta. Um, and and that's not necessarily because they're not doing anything, but because there's just more things that they need to do. They need to yeah. support more players. Um, you know, there's probably more bugs being reported now that there's more players. Um, and then obviously they're always going to be in the middle of coding the next set. Yeah. Um, so like there's just a lot of stuff to do here. So I, I think December is probably ambitious. My guess is that we will probably have word if not by like, if we don't have it by the, the time the next set drops, we will, I, I expect us to have an idea um, by the time the next set drops. I, I get, I get the feeling if I had to guess just from a development perspective. So I'm a developer in real life um, that this has been something that has been kind of, there's been like a small team working on it for a while, probably. And they just need to get that extra push to get it over the edge. Um, and, my guess is that they're pretty swamped with obviously developing new cards and, you know, social features and things like that as well. So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, you know, it's it's connecting a bunch of people together as opposed to just two when they're playing. And it's, you know, the management of what happens if somebody drops or if somebody quits. And there's all these little edge cases and things that they need to perfect. Um, and it's not something you can release half-baked because that would be a disaster. So, yeah, it's hope- got to be good when it comes out. Exactly. And, um, you know... On the on the upside though, like the gameplay is as smooth as it is, as it's ever been, and that's like the heavy lifting in all of this. So yeah, you know, I, I, we're in, we're in a really good spot, and um, things can only get better. So I, I've been super happy playing Arena. Like I, I had somebody in chat the other day um, start asking questions about building a mill deck, and my initial response was, "Don't build a mill deck; it's not going to be any good." And for whatever reason, that stuck in my head. And I was like, you know what? When did I become the anti-fun guy? That's not me. That's not what I'm about. I'm a serious player, competitive player. Yeah. But I've never been one to like tell people don't do this. So the first thing I did when I booted up the stream today was built a mill deck and played some games with it. It was awful. But I had a good time and I did mill some people out. So it's like just playing magic for fun. Like that's, that's one thing I remember thinking about the interface when I first started playing Hearthstone was it was just fun to play in that interface, right? Mm-hmm. It, I, I never just had fun clicking things in Magic Online. That that wasn't what that was about. Now, I still think Moto's fine for what it is, and it's still a great place to go draft if you want to be a competitive drafter. But as far as just fun of play, Arena's really got it going on. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we've talked about that before. I think that the distinction between Magic Online and Magic Arena. And actually, there's there's quite a talk in the Magic community now about is Arena going to pl- replace Magic Online? And actually, Magic Online is getting some quality of life improvements coming in the next couple of weeks when it comes to um, setting your, your auto yield. So, like, they're still working on on, on Moto, but I, I think that distinction between the two will always be that Magic Arena will be closer to a video game and Magic Online will be closer to, you know paper magic even though maybe that gap is is narrowing or is quite narrow to start with because magic arena does a lot of the things you know in magic very very well 
I can't even think of anything off the top of my head that it doesn't do very well um, compared to, to Paper Magic, let's say. Um, the time system, the time system, you can't play a combo deck on Arena. There you go, right? Um, so so I think I think Magic Online and Magic Arena will still potentially cater to, to two different audiences, but I think the Venn diagram of those two audiences is much closer to a circle now than it was maybe six or eight months ago. Um, I think it's a giant circle for arena and moto is a smaller circle almost entirely within that circle. Yeah. I I think, I think there's, there's going to be some, um, I can't think of the best word to describe these people, but the people that are, are resistant to arena, um, because not because they don't like change, but because they don't, think that magic needs the flash or they don't want the flash they don't want um to them it might seem like magic arena is the kiddie pool um when it's not right like obviously the the pool in magic arena is very large when it comes to the quality of play um but you can have some very good games and you can find your rank and you can find your deck that will match you against people that are playing for the same goals that you are, even if you can't talk to those people and you can't challenge people immediately, like, you know, one-on-one right now, um, I can take any deck on there and I can go and eventually find, you know, challenging games. I might, they might not all be challenging, but I will have some good experiences playing magic arena just as I will on magic online, I think. Um, and, and like you said, I think, you know, your description I think is, is great there where, the Magic Online, there's a, there's a large subset of Magic Online people that will play Arena or are already playing Arena. I saw um, Owen Turtenwald tweet the other day that he was playing Arena, and it didn't look like it was a sponsored post. Yeah. So, like, you know, the pros are on there potentially having fun. I don't think they'll use it as a testing tool. In fact, I would love to ask one of the pros. You know, maybe that's something we can work on, but I would love to ask a pro, you know, can you use Arena... Or is there any value you can get out of arena when it comes to preparing for a GP um, or standard at a pro tour? Let's say, like, can you can you see weird decks in the meta? Can you see, um, you know, can you get any value to testing your deck, or is it purely just for fun for you and you have to use Magic Online for that? So I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, in the in the professional world or in the hyper competitive world, what that Venn diagram looks like. It would certainly be interesting. I'd also like to mention, like, you'd talk some about magic online purists or whatever, or people who just aren't super into trying arena because they don't think it needs the flash. I remember reading a long time ago, I can't remember who it was, but it, it was some famous magic player saying that they didn't care if the cards had art or not. And I was like, you know, I don't think I'd play this game without it. I do mechanically enjoy the game, but the lore is important to me, and the fact that, you know, I have a vampire lord is cool, and making sapperlings is neat, and I'm going to be so excited when we return to Amonkhet in five years. Like, I'm already excited about our spoiler card for that, and I don't even know what it is yet. Like, that stuff matters to me. So, my view is that this is just kind of like an upgraded art for it. Right? Like, if you're happy playing with magic cards that don't have pictures on them and the name is just Creature A and that's really all you need, I don't know, man. Maybe this isn't the game for you. Like, appreciate all the cool stuff that's going on here. Like, I happen to be looking at the art uh, for Arvad the Cursed right now. 
that's an awesome freaking painting. You can get a lot from this dude. Like he he's heroic, but he's brooding. Like there's there's a lot conveyed there. So for me, I, I like the Flash. It doesn't need it, but why not have it? I, I don't I don't think you're wrong. I think I think magic is a lot of things to a lot of different people. You think about all of the different game modes we have in paper, online, in arena. You think of all the different stories and the lore and you know the skill levels of players and you mix all of that together and magic is a game yes but i think magic as a vessel or a container for a community that can all share a lot of this a lot of similar experiences through this game i think is more important and arena is just another one of those outlets for people to enjoy it and and you know we saw the state of the beta today we're going to talk about it in a few minutes but now that we can play against people you know play against our friends in a bit of a roundabout way this will be coming out in hopefully in november um you know that's just another way for people to continue to grow their communities or connect their communities um i'm looking forward to taking people in twitch chat you know and playing against them on stream or whatever playing against you on stream and things like that and and we're all connecting through this magic. And I don't think it's very fair for people to obviously, like, you know, stomp on somebody's enjoyment of Arena because it's got flashy animations and things like that. So I think you can like magic online. And if you don't like Arena, that's fine. It doesn't have to be for you. Um, just don't kick people because they like magic Arena for that reason. It's the same reason I eventually came around to I don't need to trash talk any particular format. Like, if it's, I'll take Commander for example. I I don't enjoy playing Commander. There there have been Commander games that I've played that I did enjoy, but it was because of the company I was with rather than the game mechanically. It's just not something that appeals to me. But there are people probably listening to this right now who that's their favorite format, and they also draft and do these other things. But it's really all about the Commander. And like just because it's not for me doesn't mean that it's not for somebody. And I, I've eventually gotten to the point where I've recognized that, like like you said, magic is kind of bigger than all of us. There's so many different ways you can play. Just play the way that you want to play that makes you happy and that you're enjoying and you're doing it right. So for me, I'd, I'd rather play Draft and Sealed than pretty much anything else. But I've, I've discovered this new love for Constructed and have been playing Standard for the past two weeks and having a blast with it. And who knows, maybe five years from now we'll be a Commander podcast. Maybe. Maybe. It could happen there are a few things that could happen before that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of playing the way that you want, I want to talk a little bit about the open beta or the state of the beta state of the open beta. So, um, uh, Chris clay who's Chris clay did this, right? Doesn't he usually do this? Yeah. Yeah. It's yes, Chris. He did. Did his October updates state of the beta for lack of a better term. Um, in short, there has been a small update um, that was, I believe it was today, and we're going to see the launch, the rotation of some events. Um, so Guilds of Ravnica Quick Draft is going out. Dominaria Quick Draft is coming in. We all remember Dominaria and our love for that. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Me too. The biggest update here, though, is a much-needed update to the Guilds of Ravnica Draft Bots, quote-unquote. That is a direct line. They don't say what the updates are. But I can only speculate that bots will now successfully draft Demir and Boros uh, one out of every five times. 
I'm thinking I may actually want to do a Guilds of Ravnica competitive draft, even though I'm not a huge fan of the competitive draft prize structure to check this out. I, I want to see if they've actually fixed it and what that looks like. Because uh, if they can get the bots to draft something like Ravnica correctly, that's super exciting, both for the development of bots and, like, for gameplay. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and you you talked about this, you rang the bell on this one early. Um, I didn't quite buy into it. You know, I thought maybe it was a little bit of hyperbole originally, but then I started to see it as well. Um, and then after that, I kind of started blow up across Twitter and across Reddit and things like that. So, obviously, it was definitely a thing. Um, and this, this is a hard set. We talked about this yesterday and I think you talked about a little bit more today, but this is a hard set, I think, to account for when you're developing these algorithms that are drafting these cards, because it is different than all of the other sets, right? There's not 10 archetypes. There's only five technically. And you know, splashing is super important and also gold cards are very important if they're splashable. So you kind of have to have this ranking of, can I splash this, this gold card? Is this gold card just powerful enough on its own? Even if I'm not going to splash for it, like all of these different things, it kind of flips everything upside down. It's almost as if cons, like you think of uh cons draft on arena. And I think we would end up in just the exact same spot. Oh God, I don't want to draft cons with bots. No, thank you, sir. I think, I think everybody would just have five color good stuff basically Uh because bots wouldn't prioritize fixing and they wouldn't prioritize morphs or whatever reason, right? Like there'd be all sorts of things. So whatever they do, like whether or not they actually get data for magic online or not, you know, or, or, or it's maybe a mix of, of them plus an algorithm, like, you know, the fact that they can update it and we can see this update, I look forward to seeing the results and I hope that it is positive because that just means that going forward, you know, hopefully they can get these fixes out sooner rather than later. Yeah. And like Guilds of Ravnica is returning to Quick Draft in the not too distant future. So having this updated would certainly be a good thing. Yeah, it looks like November 8th. So we're going to get Dominaria for two weeks. Mm hmm. And then Guilds of Ravnica for another two weeks after that, which I kind of like. I kind of like the two-week rotation on that one. I actually preferred the one-week rotation. I can kind of understand why they're doing it now, because there's not that many sets. Uh, But if they opened us up again back to where we had something like Kaladesh Forward, I felt like one week gave us time to kind of get through them and draft them. I never got to do a a full Kaladesh, like triple Kaladesh draft here. And I I think that may actually be, it's at least in my top 10, maybe even my top five. Like I'm, I'm remembering Kaladesh fondly. Yeah. So the other big change coming, um, wasn't with the the most recent update, but they have said that they are developing this in November is the ability to challenge your friends to a game of magic via magic arena. How much of a game changer is this for, for not necessarily you, but the general you? This is huge. Like, uh, uh, for one, we're going to have the Minfromoto showdown, and I'm going to smush you. And it, it, I will delight gratefully in that. But, like, there's a lot of people who, you know, played Magic with their buddies, and now they, they live far away, and now they can challenge them and play them. Like, we had the ability to do this on Magic Online, but I think it's so much easier to get a friend to try Arena. And then once you have, now you can play with them. Because, like... That's the thing about video games, right? I've got a buddy that doesn't play a game, but I play the game. I get him into the game, and now we play the game together. And we get to spend time together, and you just you just don't get to do that in Arena. So it's it's kind of a big deal that it can happen now. 
we may also begin to see the rise of, um, if we don't have official WOTC tournaments, I bet player-run tournaments will begin here. Uh, the the guys and gals over in Eternal that do the Eternal Tournament series have been running player-run tournaments with huge brackets, top eights, decent prizing uh, for, gosh, years now. And it would surprise me if somebody doesn't decide that they'd like to try something like that here. Uh, so I, I think I think this is a huge game changer, both for the casual player that wants to play for their buddy and anybody that's interested in tournament magic. Like we could even have like streamer tournaments. You could do anything you want with this. Like yeah. it, 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 it's a game changer. It is. Um, the only downside is this is a very bare bones feature. Yeah. Um, so the, the it, it appears that currently, or what will happen when this is released, is that you will challenge somebody directly by entering their username and their unique identifier, and they will enter it back, and then they'll it will pair you, and you will play. Um, it doesn't look like there's any kind of options to to select rules for a deck or like you know set rules for the match so i can't say let's play singleton it's kind of at this point it would be a you know gentleman's agreement for lack of a better term that we will play singleton or we'll play our 40 card draft decks or whatever they are and there's no sideboarding there's no best of threes here so if you wanted to do like a full tournament via the community um and you wanted best of three constructed you know you would have to queue up for a game then sideboard, then queue up for another game, and then queue up for another game. So Th- that is exactly how the Eternal Tournament series started before they had sideboarding there. And exactly. there were people that were interested enough to make it happen. And I played one in one of them, also top aided it while we we're talking about that. But that's that's exactly what you had to do. You submitted a list of your deck, a list of your sideboard, you challenged for the game, then you sideboarded and like not in the interface, you would load up the sideboarded version of your deck and challenge them again. So, you know, it'll be a slow initial iteration of this, um, but I think, you know, I think this does, I, I think this scratches the itch for probably like 60 to 70% of the people will, I, they just want to play a game, like they want to sit across from their buddy and play a game at the kitchen table, now they can do it on Arena, um, and then I think in the next iteration of that you'll get to see those rules based, right, best of three or whatever, or a full friends list, that'll come down the line, so it's a good first step. Um, I know that the community was clamoring for it quite a bit. I'm disappointed that they didn't take the time to kind of do more and release it as a feature full version. Um, because again, as a software developer, I hate partial things, but yeah, I was going to say the only reason that pisses you off is because you're a developer for everybody that just wants the thing. This is actually cool. And like, you know, I, I had a conversation with my wife this evening about something involving with her work. And my philosophy is make the thing work first and then make it pretty the Wright brothers didn't decide what color they'd like their airplane to be before they had built it. Right. So like just get something out that works and then, then we can, we can fix it. And that's probably because I have a background in sales instead of development. So I'm like, just get me something I can sell and then you can finish it. Oh, see if, if it, if it wasn't for salespeople, my job would be a lot easier. Let's just put it that way. It also wouldn't exist, but I mean, I get your point. Uh, anyway, so really looking forward to that. Maybe <laughs> maybe we'll see if we can do a a men from Moto constructed showdown tournament. If we can find somebody to run it, because I ain't got the time. Yeah, I, I, we can find somebody, and certainly <laughs> we're facing off, right? Uh, oh yeah, we got to figure out how we're going to do that. So I think that'll be a ton of fun. Yeah. And then the kind of the next update in the uh, in the beta that 
interests doesn't necessarily interest me, but I think the potential interests me is we have what can best be described as custom streamer events. And this also goes to show just how much promotion they are putting in to Magic Arena because I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing it on Twitter. I'm seeing it on Facebook. I'm seeing, like, ads everywhere. Um, you know, sponsored streamers. Obviously, you were a sponsored streamer this week, but I think you were number... Like, there was five last week and then five this week, and I assume there's going to be five next week. Like, they are going all out on this, and I love it because this is the greatest game. This is This is the best card game that you will ever play. And more people playing it is just great for everybody. So these streamer events, they take uh, famous streamer, Sorcraft streamer, Day9, who plays some amount of, some amount of Magic. He um, he was actually got a special invite to a Pro Tour um, mm-hmm. a couple of years back. I think he went like 0-4 drop or something like that. But he's an entertaining, fun Magic streamer who hates counterspells. He hates blue. And it's kind of fun. It's part of his personality. But... There is a custom streamer event this weekend, um, kind of related to TwitchCon, where it is a constructed event where you cannot play instants and flash spells. So standard minus all the blue and combat tricks and instant speed removal and things like that. Now, think back, we had um, the Extra Life uh, Momir, we had um, the, the 30 Life constructed event i think there was a a version of that i can't remember what other special rules there are there were for that we've had singleton we've had popper we've had exploration draft we've had all these little wacky events and now it appears that they're working with streamers to come up with these unique events release them for a weekend um, and then shut them down and move on to the next weekend so we've got one for day nine where you can't cast instants and, and, and flash spells and then you've got uh, Gabby Sparts is doing uh, Greedy Dominaria Draft, which is basically just a, an iteration of the Exploration Draft. So I believe you start with nine cards, um, you can play two lands per turn, and you have no maximum hand size. So what this means is that there is potential for a Travis Semulin Sowers streamer event where, yes, you could design your own magic arena event. You know what this reminds me of and that makes me super happy to see? I, I think anybody that listens to the podcast or watches the stream knows that when I'm chillaxing and watching streams, I'm quite often watching PUBG streams. And there's a few people that I follow that play. And what they've done is added into that game different skins and items that you can buy that relate to those streamers. So you can buy a, a gun with the logo of your favorite streamer on it or a t-shirt for your character that has their logo. Like the fact that magic is beginning to incorporate these things and, and really reaching out to the streamer community and involving them, I think is a huge, huge deal because it allows magic to promote a streamer and then the streamer to promote the game. Like eventually I would, I, I am just dying for them to make streamer card backs. That seems to be such an easy win for them. Like you could even buy it through the Twitch interface and, and link your account or anything. Like I, I want my Hawaiian print sleeves and I want them now, uh, but I'm, I'm willing to wait a while for them. But I, I believe that this is just the first dipping your toe in the water kind of thing. So yeah, obviously I would love to participate in something like this. I think there's a few people between day nine and me in, in far of like the order in, in which they would offer this to people. So it, it may be a little while before we get mine. But just seeing them interact with streamers in this way is such a huge deal. Now, 
these two formats, I don't think are ones that I'm exactly excited to jam. Um, but like I said, there, there's formats that are for everybody and why not try something wacky out? Yeah. And, and again, this is, this may not be for you. This may not be for me, but somebody out there will enjoy it. And you say that there's a lot of people between you or between day nine and you, when it comes to this, I would say it might be closer potentially than you think. There's Brian Kibler, Thunder Mohelkite, Crip from uh, Criparian from Hearthstone fame, Professor Knox and Amy Zonian, fe- uh, fellow feature streamer, Amy Zonian. So I think that they are going to the large, not necessarily popular in Magic, but popular in other games. But also, you know, the people that have been grinding out Magic Arena since it started, you know, I'm thinking Thundermo Hellkite and Amy Zonian in particular. So it, it seems like they're going across the spectrum of when it comes to popularity and size, both in and out of, of Magic Arena. And I think that's amazing. I look forward to seeing what all these people come up with. Um, and I think that all seven of these that they have scheduled are going to be quite different. So I'm going to actually put you on the spot right now. And I'm going to ask you, what would your featured event be? Can it be Hour of Devastation Draft? <laughs> that's the that's the easy way out. That is Can it be Hour of Devastation Draft and your first pick in every pot? Your first pick in the first pack is Nickel Bolas Nickel God Pharaoh. You're guaranteed to open a Nickel Bolas in your first pack. And now you start the draft. And now you start the draft. I was thinking it would be Nickel Bolas Forced Constructed Standard Singleton. You know, I could actually get behind that too. You have to include a Nickel Bolas in your deck. Uh, and it's Singleton. Go. Everybody just ends up playing the exact same list. Yeah, they well, they would play my list because it's really good. But I, <laughs> I, I think, honestly, if I was going to design something like this, it would probably be a wacky sealed event. Um, for me, the one that I think I'd be most excited about is let's do a sealed event that has one booster from each of the standard sets, Ooh. and then we'll build from there. So you would sit down and you'd get you know the two from Rivals and Ixalan. You'd get Dominaria. You'd get M19, and you'd get a guild, throw in two guilds of Ravnica, and we'll call her done. And let's let's build from that and see what we can do. I think that would be a lot of fun. That that would be outstanding. And actually, if you got to keep the cards, that would be worth the price of admission. Yeah, it'd be a pretty good deal. So, like, I, I'm all about bringing value in my streamer event. So, Wazi, if you happen to be listening, uh, you know how to contact me. I look forward to seeing uh, your headshot on the front page of the arena event when you log in and you're looking to see what the, the cost to enter and the prizes are. It would be called Simulan Sexy Sealed. I I can dig that. <laughs> Dave's expression right there was priceless. I'm sorry you guys didn't get to see it. <laughs> um, but I like I do have to say again, like the what Wizards is doing with the promotion of Arena is kind of nothing short of incredible to me. I did not think that it would be this good, given that Magic Online has kind of been like you know, the the Harry Potter kids tucked underneath the stairs when it comes to magic um, in all its iterations. It's always been treated that way. And Arena is, you know, I, I have, I've had people in real life that I know don't play magic that have asked me, hey, you play that magic game. I saw this ad. What's it all about? And I'm like, it's free to play. You can get hooked. You know, go ahead and go try it out. And you know, 
on Twitch, it's amazing. Um, the, the viewership has been up across the board on Twitch, it seems like. You've seen professional players streaming it. Um, you've seen the 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 tiebreaker for the, the world champ or for the player of the year. They've been streaming on, on Magic Arena. Um, Seth Manfield and who is the other one? The other LSV. Luis Salvato something or other. I forget his name. I'm so sorry. Um, but they were they've been streaming on Arena. Um, Brad Nelson's been Owen Turtonwald's been playing Arena. Like all of these big names that are the best players in the world are playing Magic Arena, and now you can too. And I think that's just great. It's fun. It's just fun. Go play the darn thing. And when did we say when did when did we say the over under for uh, when we would have the first um, paid MTG Arena tournament? I believe I said uh, within next year. Did you say next year or by the end of the year? I don't remember. I, th- I, I think said by the end of, end of 2019. By the end of 2019? Okay, I, I, th- I thought it was 2018, but I think we're closer than, than we think. I think we are closer than we think. So, all right, looking forward to that and all of the growth and all of the amazing things that we are getting here. So, um, you wanted to spend a few minutes talking about Dominaria. I do. It's come back on Quick Draft today, and I, I, I saw some an interesting phenomenon in chat. Somebody said in chat, I just figured out how to draft here and they're already releasing a new set. And I, it kind of blew me away for a minute. And then I realized that for somebody who got in with the open beta and is just starting to play magic, Dominaria is a new set as far as they're concerned. And, you know, chat quickly corrected them and let them know that this is an old set that's coming back. And their response was, well, it's new to me. I was like, We've probably got some people listening that wouldn't mind. Now, I don't want to do a full refresher course on Dominaria, but I wanted to answer some basic questions about my view of the format. And I I know that there's others and there's a lot of different ways that you can play this, but I I thought I'd just give out some very basic stuff. Uh, I had had such a good time streaming with you yesterday that I invited uh, Tomi Tuovinen to come and do a draft with me today. He's been on the podcast a couple times, Isarok on Twitch, super nice guy. Uh, and known for drafting four and five color nonsense, which you can absolutely do in Dominaria. So I invited him on to play, and he told me that his theory for drafting Dominaria wasn't so much bread, which you hear a lot of the times. What does bread stand for? Uh, bombs, removal, evasion. I forget what the A stands for, and then duds. Yeah, I think it was attack and defense was how I learned it. But Tommy said that Dominaria is more of a bro format. It's bombs, removal, and other. Because honestly, the the entire format revolves around the bombs and the ways that you have to remove your opponent's bombs. And then every other card is a filler card. Like it just doesn't, it it functionally doesn't matter what they are. So to to draft this and draft it well, if you open a pack and you see a card and, and you read the card and you're like, this could win the game if someone doesn't remove it, you should take it. It doesn't matter if it's a gold card absolutely okay to first pick gold cards in this format uh so like a lot of these tend to be at rare but there's a lot of uncommon legends in this particular format that you can first pick and kind of build around um or maybe not even have to just resolve them and you'll win if there's not one of those cards in the pack take something that can deal four plus damage to a creature so any sort of removal spell blessed light is the one that i'm most likely to pick although eviscerate is pretty good too uh, both of those have only a single color in their casting cost. So they're very easy to splash. And splashing in Dominaria was quite common. If I'm a red-green deck 
and I open a slime foot in pack three, all of a sudden I'm a red green deck splashing black. It was not uncommon for me to play 18 lands in this format. In fact, most of my decks were 18 lands. And a big factor for that was the spell lands. You had this cycle of lands that come into play tapped, and you can then sacrifice them for an effect. All of them were good with the exception of the red one. I think the black one and the blue one were the best. The green one and the white one were pretty good. But if I'm playing 18 lands and one of them is one of those spell lands, it's kind of like I'm playing 17 lands, but the benefit of 18, it's, it's just so good. Uh, the fixing was not plentiful in this set. So you kind of wanted to grab that when you could. Your best option was Skittering Surveyor, but the bots are actually pretty good at drafting Dominaria, and if you don't pick those first or second, you're probably not going to get any. Uh, That was a colorless way to fix your mana. If you're in green, you could use Grow from the Ashes, but my most common way to splash here was three basics. If I'm a black-white deck splashing for a red card, I'll just put three mountains in there, run 18 lands, and we're going to be fine. Uh, it, It was a relatively slow format, People could draft aggressive things, but they weren't particularly good. So like just as a little tiny refresher as you're about to go in here, read over the cards, look and see if one of them is that type of card that if you resolve it and your opponent doesn't interact with it, it's going to win the game. Uh, Slimefoot is probably the the biggest example of that at Uncommon. It's one green-black for a 2-3. You can spend four and make a Sapperling. When a Sapperling that you control dies, it deals one damage to your opponent and you gain one life. If you stick this on the board and just fart out sapperlings, you're eventually going to kill your opponent. There's there's nothing they can do about it other than kill the slime foot. And there were plenty of ways to sacrifice these sapperlings for value, or you can just send a horde of them in and watch them die. So if, if you open a card like that that you can stick that'll win the game, take it. If you don't, immediately look to the removal. And then as far as the rest of the cards go, they're relatively interchangeable. Have a decent curve, you know, Two to four two drops all the way up through five and six drops are absolutely fine. Um, but that, that would be my biggest advice. And then the, the last thing I think I'll, I'll argue for passionately uh, in favor of 18 lands is when you're drafting a lot of these kicker spells, people will tend to sort them by their non-kicked mana cost. And it's kind of a disaster if you cast a kicker spell without the kicker. Um, Caligo Skin Witch is fantastic on six mana in this format. You get their last two cards, and you've got a 1-3 left to sacrifice to your Thalid Omnivore. Casting a a Skin Witch on turn two just to get a 1-3 is kind of a move of desperation because your opponent, you know, had a a 2-1 on the play turn one. You're like, I have to be able to block this thing. So look through there and recognize that even though you have stuff you could cast on two, but you really want to cast on six. That makes it a six drop with flexibility, not a two drop with flexibility. Yeah, exactly. There were, you know, three types of kicker spells. There was the kicker spell you cast without kicker quite frequently. Sapperling Migration was one that I can think of. I was usually pretty happy to cast that on two mana. Yeah. Then there's the kicker where you never want to cast it. Like the Caligo Skin Witch, you never want to cast it without paying the kicker. And then there's the one that good on both sides. And I like to prioritize the ones that are good on both sides, like Bayloth Gorger, I think is good on both sides usually. Um, the Drake, Fire. Academy Drake, was was the cornerstone of that. Yeah, yeah, Academy Drake, where you're just happy with a 2-2 flyer for three. Um, you, you know, things like that. So, so I like looking for those in my kicker cards. I want to talk to you about card or about um, card draw. So you mentioned mm-hmm. the, the blue memorial, um, which is which drew you two cards for the cost of like five or six mana or whatever it was. 
Um, I like to think of in this, in this, I mean, it's generally speaking, but also in this format is, um, card draw is a really good way to, to get your fixing as well. Not obviously because you're not going to find, like, you're not going to go specifically looking for your mountain, you know, in your black blue deck when you cast the divination. Um, but because it digs you deeper, right? So, so I think if, if you don't have access to green to play grow from the ashes, um, making sure that you have a way to draw some cards, whether that be memorial or, um, uh, divination or things like that is also a good way to kind of facilitate that fixing. And also, you know, you want to hit your land drops with your kicker cards too. So card draw, I think goes up in value just in general in this set, it's always good, but I think in, in a set where you want to dig to your most powerful cards, every extra card that you can draw is, is usually, um, very beneficial. I, I disagree a tiny bit, and it, it's worth pointing this out. It's also worth noting that both David and I were very successful at Dominaria Draft. I, I don't think card draw is bad. I do think people took it way too early in Dominaria. Um, the, the, the biggest reason is there were a lot of cards that could draw you uh, two spells, and there were a lot of spells and a lot of ways to get two-for-ones. But one thing that I'll mention in this format is if if my opponent attacks in with their 3-3 and I block it with my 4-4 and they use a combat trick and I literally have Blessed Light in my hand and the mana to cast it, I'm probably just letting it happen because I don't care about their 4-4. That's not what they're winning the game with. So I would actively pass up two-for-ones because it, it just didn't matter. I have to be able to answer that bomb that they drop. And if Blessed Light's the only way I could handle a Multani, then I'm sure not using it on your Baloth Gorger because you, you got me with a combat trick. The same thing kind of functions with divinations, uh, it, at least in my opinion in this format, in that the two-for-ones just don't matter. It matters do you have the card. So Dave's argument is that you can find the card faster this way. He's not wrong. I will absolutely play divinations. My my complaint here is there's too many divinations in this set for you to really prioritize them. If you are playing blue or black, and a decent number of your decks will be, you're going to have ways to draw two cards. Uh, Memorial to Genius, I think, is the best one. Uh, Dark Bargain is very good. That's a four-mana divination in black with a little bit of uh, selection as well. Plus, there's Graveyard Shenanigans in black. Um Soul Salvage was in black. Get two creatures out of your graveyard. So it's not just two random cards. It's two action cards. Then you had Actual Divination. And then you had uh, Memorial to Folly, where you could just get the best creature out of your graveyard after you've used your land however much you need it. So I feel like with those five things going around, I don't I don't need to ever like third pick, fifth pick a Divination. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if I start with, uh, you know, Cloud Reader Sphinx into Ice Over you know, into it, you know, I'm just picking blue cards and then I see a fifth pick divination and okay, bread card and okay, black card. Yeah. I'm going to take the divination. Why not? I'm going to play it and I want to stay blue if I can, but I'm not just going to randomly pick one and be like, Oh, blue must be open. There's a fourth pick divination. It's just not that kind of format in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of different styles or ways to draft this format too. Um, yeah. I don't think any of them are particularly wrong. I think it's a very deep format. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that anybody actually came up with an objectively best deck or archetype even. Um, so it's just playing to playing to your best cards, right? Um, and if you don't have those best cards, I think building your own bomb is perfectly legit. Um, you know, taking a hexproof creature and throwing Sarah's wings on it is great. Um, 
other cards that I think are sneaky good that people sometimes, you know, that, that new people to this draft format may miss. Maybe they've drafted other formats before in the past. Um, but a card like Jousting Lance can can turn all of your creatures into something that must be answered. Um, you know, On Sarah's Wings obviously can be very good. Um, you know, both of those cards I think are cards you should look, look out for and can win you the game out of nowhere if you don't have, you know, uh, a Karn or something like that to gain you an insane card advantage or some some bomb creature that can't be dealt with otherwise. Mm-hmm. One last little mention for me on this. Uh, there, You said there, I couldn't think if there was an objectively best deck. I, I think Blue-Red Wizards actually was objectively the best deck if you could get the best version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it relied on Uncommons to build... So one thing here, if you've been playing exclusively on Arena or you've been playing on Arena lately, you can't force anything in this format, or at least you shouldn't. Um, you know, excluding what we just saw with demirrors all over the place, there have been other formats where it was relatively okay to force. You're going to end up with a significantly worse deck in Dominaria if you don't read what's open, uh, especially the way the bots work they're pretty good at sending you signals about what you should be taking in Dominaria. So when you see, like, let's say you take a black-red gold card, a red card, and then a black card, and then you see a Blessed Light, you need to just take the Blessed Light because they're going to continue to pass you good white cards and you just go ahead and get in. Um, I I wouldn't force black-red off of the strength of three cards and then just watch all of these good white cards pass by me. None of the colors are so good or so bad that you need to prioritize getting into them or avoiding them. Do be aware if you get a sweet blue-red wizard's deck, that's awesome. And it it probably was one of the better ones you could get. Um, But I I wouldn't force anything. I, I wouldn't actively try to avoid anything. I think all of the strategies were viable. I ended up liking red, white, aggressive decks more than just about anybody else. Uh, but I think that sort of suits to to my style as a player. I just like to get the life total to zero and be done. Um, But like everything's viable here. It's okay to play any of the pairs. And I think that one of the reasons I did like this format and have it in in my favorites, although not as favorite as everyone else, everybody else seemed to like it just a little bit more than me. But one thing I did like is that it really rewarded uh, figuring out what the open color pair was and then playing that. I think this was a very skill skill testing and challenging format to draft and to play. Yeah, which makes for for good limited gameplay as far as I'm concerned. Great magic. Like obviously like the really good players are going to have an edge. Um but I think if you're new to the format, you will learn a lot. Um and if you're new to magic, you might struggle, but I think you will learn a lot and there's a lot of really cool constructed cards in here too, so I don't think you're losing any value drafting. Um you know, pick up your history of Benalias and things like that and you'll You'll get some good value out of it in the long term. Yeah, get in here and uh, let's play some magic. All right, so a little bit of a short episode this week, um, but uh, we'll come back for our regular episode next week, hopefully. We'll uh, probably have some Dominaria to talk about, maybe a little Constructed. Who knows? We'll see, but it's all going to be Arena at this point. So thanks again for listening. Thanks to -to Face-to-Face Games for the host and all of the support. Uh, Thanks to our patrons. Um, who get access to the pregame warm-up show with their contribution every week and also all of the additional rewards that you can see on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash menformoto. Travis featured streamer Sours. Where can they catch you? Not being featured streamer anymore this week, but streaming nonetheless. 
you will find me streaming at twitch.tv slash simulon. Would love to see you there. And you can catch me streaming at twitch.tv slash dcivillian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. I spent 40 minutes this week on a sealed build. On, uh, I on believe Arena. it. I it believe it. You know, I'm kind of sad that sealed disappeared, especially after the day we had yesterday. I just had so much fun with it. I wanted to do it again. We'll get it for uh, for the next set. All, Do you think it would things. be cool if they brought back Sealed for older formats when they introduced them? Because I, I would do just about anything to play Hour of Devastation Sealed again. I think you might struggle to find people, enough people. No, you know what? You'd have enough people to play. I think, I, th- I don't think the audience would be as big as it is when it's a new format and people can do the, the pre-release code. Yeah, fair enough. But I think it would be fun anyway. It would be a good way to, to spend some gems or maybe gold if you had... If they doubled the entry, you know, 10,000 gold or something like that. But whatever. More topics for later. So thanks again to everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Adios.